Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today I'm going back into 2 Corinthians and uh, the 11th chapter, and as I have pointed out to you many times, that particular section of Scripture is where Paul is, is dealing with false apostles. These guys are a corruption, a cancer within the church in Corinth. And these false apostles, Paul has some, as we go further into it, he has some very, very strong words for them, things to say about them. But in the section that we're in today, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11. Paul is kind of offhandedly entering into a comparison that he really doesn't delight in. But he's entering into a comparison between himself and these false apostles. Now, on the outset and at the beginning of, uh, before I go into that, I want to talk a little bit about false apostles, about the apostate church, about what's confronting us as the people of God in these last days. And I'm going to say some things that are rather pointed, but I don't want you to misinterpret my heart or the heart of the Father in this. When you hear the Father say things against those forms of wickedness that attack his relationship with his children, you will hear passion. You will hear anger. You will hear his desire for you. Do not allow the enemy to co-opt the words and the passion of God and turn it into an anger against you. Do not allow the enemy to steal what is an, a passionately expressed love letter that says, you are mine and you can be nobody else's. You are mine and I will not share you. You are mine and I'm going to hold you with my strength. And I will destroy every barrier and obstacle that is placed in my path between you and me. Now that is a passionate father. If you're a parent, you know what it is to be angry when something hurts your kid, don't you? Well, that's the truth of our God in this situation as he speaks through Paul. He's angry. You know, I will recall some years back when I was counseling a young wife and mother whose marriage was falling apart. And uh, she professed to be a Christian, as did her husband. And she had, in fact, grown up attending the same church that I had attended and she went to Christian school as well. She'd grown up in a Christian home and knew that the only hope for saving her marriage was literally in her faith. It had to lie in her faith. So as I began to relate to her some of the foundational scriptures dealing with living from your identity, I found that she was unfamiliar with almost every scripture that I mentioned. Then I asked her if she had read any of the Paulian epistles, any, any of the books written by or through Paul, and she confessed to me that she was unfamiliar with the writings of Paul. 
I have learned that in counseling Christians, you should never assume on what they know about the Scripture. You should never assume on what they know about truth. The majority of the people that I have counseled have come from rather large, very well-known churches, but have little familiarity with the substance of truth that they claim to embrace. It's kind of a sad commentary, isn't it? The enemy of truth is never idle. He's never idle from distracting from and twisting the truth. And as I was studying our text for the day, I, I read some uh, quotes that a theologian put forth, and I like two of them. I'm going to read two of them for you. G.K. Chesterton said that when people abandon truth, they do not believe nothing. They believe anything. When people abandon truth, they do not believe nothing. They will believe anything. Roy Clements, a pastor in England, wrote, The church does not have to worry seriously about atheism. That is a superstition. It does not seriously threaten the religious consciousness of the world. Marxism, which is atheism, sustained whatever limited success it had by promoting a vicious policies of repression. No, the real danger is not unbelief, but wrong belief. Not skepticism, but superstition. Not irreligion, but religion. Not the doubter, but the deceiver. And again, church history has proven this true. It's not external assaults on Christianity by its ideological, philosophical, and religious rivals that represent the most serious threat to its survival. It is the subtle infiltration of saboteurs who exploit the gullibility of Christian people, end quote. That's what Paul was facing. As I look at the rise of the apostate church, I cannot completely lay the blame on our church leaders or educators. I cannot say it is completely the fault of the deceiver or the enemies of truth. I have to say that the falling away of the Christian is the result of their determination to embrace a man-centered gospel that accommodates a passive, lethargic devotion and ignorance of the Scripture and a freedom to forsake the assembly. The enemy has defined every God-ordained expression of Christian discipline and devotion as legalism and liberty and grace as license or some form of provisional universalism. The emphasis on relationship has left many Christians with a passive, take-it-or-leave-it interaction with a God they barely know. The lack of passion for the things of God and the people of God has filled our churches with soulish worshipers who show up to know about God with their minds through the message and feel God in their emotions through praise and worship. A man-centered gospel and a passive relationship with your God is the invention of the enemy to draw you away from a determined faith. A faith that is anchored in the God of the Scriptures, not an emotional, uninformed distortion of a relationship with Him. Our God made us for an intimate connection that is guarded by our determined devotion and reverence for truth. Does that sound harsh to you? It's not directed at those of you who live for his life. In fact, I don't know of anybody in this particular congregation that it would be directed towards. But that is what we're looking at in the apostate church. 
people who have God on their lips, who have a, an acquaintance with Scripture, but not with the God of the Scripture. This is why both relationship and devotion are essential to the walk of the Christian. It's not just that we have an intimate relationship with Him. We are in union with Him. His life is within us and that He is constantly with us, loves us, likes us, and desires us. That's wonderful. But that was a means to an end that He made that possible. He made that possible so that He could have an intimate interaction with you moment by moment. So that He could live His life with you, not just through you, but with you. Intimacy implies an interaction in all that you do. It's not a matter of you watching somebody else work. I've heard that work. You're just a tool. Mike used to say, well, how much affection do you have for your shovel? You are not just a tool. You're a child of God. And he made you to share life with you. Isn't that cool? He made you to share life with you. That means what you're doing every moment of every day is ordained of God that he might participate in your moments. Now, sometimes our moments aren't all that fun for him, I'm sure. When we're being rebellious, I like to call it pig-headed, selfish. When we're doing all those things, I'm sure God's not having a party along with us, but he won't leave the side of his loved one. He won't walk away. He won't turn his back. He won't withhold his fellowship. Because every penalty that could be paid for that activity was paid on the cross one time. Look at Acts chapter 20. And I, I mean that. Y'all get your Bibles and look at this. Acts chapter 20, verses 27 through 33. Unless, of course, you got it memorized, in which case you have my respect. Acts chapter 20, verses 27 through 33. Paul writing, and he says, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of the plan of God. The whole purpose of the plan of God. We're still grappling with that idea, aren't we? But he declared the whole of it. And guess what? It's right here. It's already written. Verse 28. Take care and be on guard. Present tense. For yourselves and for the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd, tend, feed, guide the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know... He's affirming this to be true. I know that after I'm gone, false teachers like ferocious wolves will, not might, but will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse and distorted things to draw away the disciples after themselves as their followers. Therefore, because that is going to happen, be continually alert. How often? Continually alert. Remembering that for three years, this is the Apostle Paul in ministry, for three years, night or day, I did not stop admonishing and advising each one of you with tears. That's passion. Is that Paul's passion or the Father's passion? It was the Father's passion. With tears. And now, 
I commend you to God, placing you in his protective, loving care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, the counsel and promise of his unmerited favor. His grace is able to build you up and to give you the rightful inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That is, among those who are set apart for God's purpose. All believers, be on guard. Be continually alert. The seduction of the enemy and the flesh never, never, never rest. Paul was leaving Ephesus, and this was his warning to the believers there, that the enemy will step up his assault. He knew the enemy would step up his assault in Paul's absence. The deceivers and the false apostles followed Paul everywhere he went. When he planted a church, as soon as he moved on, they moved in. Why? Because Paul was God's messenger, an apostle who brought the word of God. So the enemy saw his leaving, Paul's leaving, as an opportunity because the people would no longer have him as a mooring of truth. They could be led away. The believers of that day didn't have the scripture like we do, you know, one for the coffee table, one for the living room, one for the... They, they didn't have that. They didn't have it on their iPad or iPhone, none of that. The word of God for them was in the assembly. It was in the word of the speaker and in the apostle. Paul was the word, the messenger, bringing the word of God to them. He was the word of God in his preaching and in his teaching and in his letters. He says, come to me in prayer, not because if you do, then I'll talk to you. Come to me in prayer because you long to speak with me, to interact with me, to love me. Come to me with prayer, in prayer, because you're passionate about me. And it affirms my presence. Speak the truth. When you pray, you recognize the presence of God. And when you recognize the presence of God, you are literally speaking the truth over your unbelieving soul. You're saying, he is here. Father, you're here. Father, I know that you are in control of all things. Father, I know that you are sovereign. Father, I know that you have this in your hands because you have me in your hands. Father, I know that you know what is best. Father, I know that you are good to me. I know that I am blessed. I'm not just being blessed. I am blessed. Father, I know these things because I feel them. No, you know them with the knowing that only a Christian can know. You know them with the affirmation of who you are in Christ at the center of your being. And you're affirmed by the word of God. And you're affirmed in prayer. And you're affirmed in the assembly. And all of those things, Father has, has said to you, do these things. Why? Because he just loves your attention? No, because it will protect you, secure you, keep you. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. You and I know that isn't possible. I'm talking about your soul, your mind, will, and emotion, the corruption of the soul that is constantly being assaulted by the world, by the enemy, and by that body you're wearing, the flesh. Constantly trying to make that flesh your reality. Because the enemy knows if he can ever get you to believe that your flesh is who you are, he can get you to do anything. Every sin known to man comes against the flesh. It doesn't come against your spirit. If you're in union with the Spirit of God, how much success do you think that would have? How about that much? None. 
They were guarded by the Spirit of God, by a determination of faith and devotion that compelled them to devote themselves to prayer, to meditate upon the Word of God, to delight themselves in the gathering of believers for worship and fellowship. Now, if you go to Acts and look at the first church, look and see what they're doing with their time. And you're going to find that's exactly what they're doing. These things were the moorings of truth that kept them from being tossed about. Look at what Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. Chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. And his gifts to the church are, are varied. This is what God gave his gifts to the church, all right? He himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who speak the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this. Why did he do that? Well, he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints. Now, you think he's talking about your spirit, you're complete in Christ, and you're perfect before him. He's talking about your soul, your place of personality, where you experience life, and where your soul is equipped. This is what he did to equip your soul. What does it mean to equip your soul? It means to renew your mind in truth. It means to balance your emotions with truth. It means to set your will upon the things of God and the people of God and the truth of God. Fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people. What did he do this for? For works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church. So here's what we know. We live from the inside out, right? I don't know love until I express love because love is experienced from God at the center expressed out of who I am then I know who I'd love is. So everything that he equips you with, he equips you for service, the expression of all that he has placed in you. See, that's what I say. God sometimes has to squeeze the life out of us so that we can express his life and it becomes greater than the weakness of flesh. So he says to become, he says to build up the body, for service to build up the body until we all reach Oneness in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God. Growing spiritually to become, that's a current ongoing thing, to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting, this is what I was talking about earlier, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. That's the Amplified's way of giving you the the bottom line of what the Greek is saying there, so that you'll be manifesting that completeness. Here's the thing. We're maturing, right? Well, if we're complete, what do we need to mature? We need to mature in the soul. We need to mature in the expression. What is a child who has arms and legs and everything already given to him? What does he need to do? He needs to mature so that he's not stumbling. He's now walking, and then he's running, and then he is stable and strong. He needs to strengthen those arms to a mature manhood. He needs to learn how to balance himself, how to speak all the things that he already has. He has tongues, he has an ear, ears, he has a brain. But all of those things have to mature. You have been made complete in Christ, but all of those things have to be matured in you. 
How are they matured? They are matured by entering into all that God has called you to. In obedience, meditating upon the Word of God, spending your time in prayer before Him, walking in truth, expressing His life in service, living out from the inside out all that He created you to be. That is the work of maturity. If a child never makes a single step, it won't matter that he's got legs. He'll never mature in walking, right? That's what Paul's talking about. And that's what the enemy wants to stop. So, exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. So, why? Why does he want us to express these things? Why does he want us to do those things? Listen, verse 14. So that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth, expressing his truth, Let us grow up in all things into him. Follow his example who is the head, Christ. Do you see it? How are we to be protected from all of the unscrupulous, the apostate doctrine, the twist and the deceit of distorted truth? How are we to be protected from these things? How are we to stand firm in the face of the growing tide of apostate religion? How are we to stand firm in the face of a godless country? How are we to stand firm in the face of constant barrage of of media attention that denies our God or twists who he is or twists who you are as a Christian. How are we to stand firm in all of those things? He makes it very clear. If you don't want to be tossed about, is he talking about who you are in the spirit of God? Is that tossed about? No. He's talking about your mind, will, and emotions, your soul. If you don't want to be tossed about, then you need an anchor for the soul. You need to grow in the truth. You need the moorings of truth and exercise with a determined faith all that he has placed before you. Because I got to tell you, passive Christianity, nominal Christianity, relationship, it's all good Christianity, grace, grace, grace for everybody, and, and that's good without any exceptions. Christianity, that's a distortion. That's a distortion. In the age of the soundbite and the meme, we can find ourselves snacking on the words of men or their interpretation of Scripture rather than allowing the Spirit of God to bless our pursuit of truth and meditating on His Word. Paul calls the Ephesians to leave the vulnerability of childhood and to become a really mature believer. That is done by determination to live in and for the passion of Christ by faith, pursuing every expression of truth as a way of life, not an event or a temporal encounter. These are the moorings of truth that will hold because we have an anchor for the soul in the truth of Christ. So is everybody still with me? And if you're feeling condemned out there, you need to address the conviction or address the enemy, one of the two. Because what you're hearing here is God's passion for you. 
I don't know how many lovers would enjoy going on a date when your lover is completely preoccupied with something other than you. I've been accused of that in my uh, going and coming with my wife. And it's true. I get distracted, but my heart is for her. God's the same way. And we're like kids with an iPhone at the dinner table. He's called us to feast, to nurture a meal that he's prepared for us in every moment. We determine to be distracted and we put aside the very things that are there for our security and our safety. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.